You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, it's a playoff preview bonanza, baby. We head out to Edmonton to talk to Connor Halley, and I'll make my round one predictions for Jets Oilers. Let's get to it. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Well, it's almost here, Winnipeg. We're on the cusp of playoff action, and you've come to the right place to get your preview. Good choice when it comes to Jets Oilers with game one going Wednesday night. We got matchups and players to watch. How Winnipeg can pull off the upset. And of course, my prediction for the first round series as well. We'll get to that later on. But to give us some perspective from the enemy side first when it comes to Jets Oilers, we're heading out to Edmonton now and super pumped to bring on the host of the other Connor podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as the co-host and producer of the Jason Greger Show on TSN 1260 at Edmonton. He's Connor Halley. Connor, how's it going today, man? Doing good, Brandon. Thanks a lot for having me on here. Really excited to talk about this series. Hey, it's it's my pleasure. Now, before we get into the actual series, tell us, what's the temperature like at Edmonton right now? Are Oilers fans expecting or saying that, you know, one series win is kind of the minimum for this group this year? Uh, I think coming off of last year's loss to the Chicago Blackhawks, there's expectations for at least one round. Um, you know, victory there going into two would be great. Anything after that, I think is just a bonus for the Oilers fans out here. I think the, the tempo was kind of set at trade deadline when Ken Holland decided not to go out and be a major buyer. I think fans kind of realized this is a team that, you know, that extended playoff run might not come for a year or two. So I think if, if the Oilers can get one win in the playoffs, uh, one series win, I should say, I think they'd be pretty satisfied more than that's bonus. Like, like I said, but yeah, they got to get that first win because if it's two straight years, uh, one and done, I think they'll be pretty disappointed. Winnipeg's struggles down the stretch have been very, very well documented here in the city and, and really across the NHL. How have the Oilers played in their last 10 or so regular season games? Are they trending up, trending down? How have they looked to close out the year? I would say it kind of got overshadowed by Connor McDavid and his hunt for 100 points. Like that was the major storyline. That's what everybody was watching. In my opinion, like the top six was solid. Obviously, Connor McDavid did some good things. Uh, the second line for a little while there uh, was Ryan Nugent Hopkins got put back there with Kyler Yamamoto, and they were okay, not great, but 
the concern for me down the stretch for the Edmonton Oilers was their bottom six. Not only were they not contributing offensively, they were giving up a lot of opportunities the other way. And times where Mike Smith would have to bail them out, you saw when Mikko Koskinen was in there, he wasn't going to make a save. So obviously it was just going to go in the net. And uh, that was kind of the concern there. So down the stretch, I would say they were playing okay hockey with the exception of Connor McDavid and Leon Dryas. I know those two were playing out of their mind, clearly trying to get McDavid to that 100-point mark. But not their best hockey of this season. I think, you know, there was parts probably March where they looked a little bit better playing better defensive hockey as a complete unit. There were still some lapses down the stretch here. So I, I would say for the Edmonton Oilers playing okay hockey, maybe not their best. Uh, definitely need to ratchet up now because uh, obviously the Winnipeg Jets can present some problems for them. Now we'll get to McDavid in just a sec, but you mentioned the bottom six. I mean, not doing much in the last 10 or 15, maybe all season we could put that one down as as yeah. well. Like, what's the expectation for the bottom six? Is it just to break even? Yeah, I mean, I would say if they break even, Oilers fans would be happy. And uh, they're, they're obviously not counted on to go out there and contribute too often, but just just not leak goals. And, you know, this was a concern going back to the start of the year uh, where I work Jason Greger's show. We actually had Scotty Upshaw on a few times, and he's a guy who's played in the bottom six, and he said, you know, they just got to play simple uh, at practice, focus on the things they can control, knowing that you're not going to get a lot of offensive zone time. You're going to go out there in some of the tougher situations and just try not to give up goals. I think if the Edmonton Oilers bottom six can do that, they'll be happy because McDavid dry settle playing in the top six, you know, nine times out of 10, they're going to outscore their opponents. They've drastically improved their defensive play this year. So I think that would be a win. Now, the one guy I think you do have to watch out for is James Neal. And this year, uh, you know, pretty well documented out here. He's He had COVID-19, and there were some lingering effects for him. He was struggling to play in back-to-back games, uh, you know, found himself in the press box more times than not. But down the stretch, he's been better, and, you know, he's he's shown glimpses where he's been able to kind of find those legs again that he once had. Obviously, you know, a, a perennial 20-goal score. He's got the scoring touch. So I think there's a guy there who could potentially chip in offensively if they can kind of outwork their opponents. But, yeah, I think you nailed it there on the head. If the Oilers can, uh, on their bottom six at least, can kind of just stay 500, they'll be very satisfied. Well, I'll tell you what. The Jets are going to try to stay 500 against McDavid and Settle. Probably not going to happen, but they'll do their best anyways. Now, when it comes to Dave Tippett and line matching, the Oilers have last change in games one and two. What are the matchups you think that Edmonton is going to try and target? It's almost like you don't have to put too much thought into it. Anytime McDavid or Settle aren't on the ice, you got to put them back out there right away. Like it, it really doesn't matter who their opponent is. Uh, they just have that, that offensive upside where they can uh, present challenges and can kind of take advantage of it. I think that, you know, you'll probably see the bottom six out there, um, you know, in their own end going up against the top line for the Winnipeg Jets. And that's probably the matchup they'll, they'll try to do. But I think anytime you've got a face off in the offensive zone, it really doesn't matter who, whoever's on the bench, they've rested long enough. You got to get them back out there and, uh, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisau, they're no strangers to playing north of 20 minutes. And uh, obviously a lot of that time is going to come in the power play. I'm sure you've seen it a few times. Two-minute power play, they're going to be out there for probably a minute 45. Like they really like to run that top unit power play. But when it comes to being at home, I don't think there's going to be too much line mashing. I think it's getting that top two groups out there as much as you can and kind of hoping for the best. Well, I'll tell you what, in the season series against Winnipeg, we saw about 60 seconds of the power play. And then they were skating to the handshake line by the bench. We, we didn't see two minutes too many times in Winnipeg. Maybe talk about the power play. I mean, it's clearly the best in the NHL. It's operating at an insane pace. And I think and maybe you could touch on some of the intricacies on 
on how Edmonton attacks opposing teams on the penalty kill. But I know for a fact Winnipeg's best strategy in this one is just no penalties at all. Going up, going up on the PK against Edmonton is just a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, and if there's no penalties called in a game, Oilers fans are going to lose their minds because they'll say that Connor McDavid should have drawn at least six or seven in a game. Uh, even, you know, one or two they're not typically satisfied with. So there might be some uh, pissed off Oilers fans <laughs> that's the case. But, yeah, when they get out there, like going into this season, coming off what they did last year with Oscar Kleffbaum kind of, um, you know, running the blue line there, there were some questions. And could Tyson Berry live up to that? And he stepped in almost seamlessly. Like the first couple games, it took a little while to get going. and. I thought at that point Tyson Berry was maybe trying to make that extra pass a little too often, trying to find the captain, trying to find Leon Dreisel, maybe, you know, trying to get on their good sides, feeding them a little extra. But, you know, now he's not been afraid to shoot the puck. Uh, anytime Connor McDavid gets it on the sidewall, dangerous things can happen. Not only does he have, you know, the world-class vision and the ability to make some of the passes that he has, but really over the last couple of years, that shot's got a lot better, where he'll not afraid to take this shot. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, another guy, he's going to be on the sidewall there as well. And he likes to get really low to the goal line and try to sneak those in. It's something that, you know, I like to criticize because I don't know why he shoots from that type of an angle. But I don't know if you saw the goal earlier this year that he scored almost from behind the line. I was like, okay, man, like you're making me look bad. You you have the ability. I'm going to shut my mouth and let you guys do it anyways. Uh, in front of the net, you know, it's kind of a, a rotation there. Sometimes James Neal gets out there. Sometimes it's out to chase on. And uh, we've seen also Jesse Pugliarvi get out there as well. So uh, the, the the three locks, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Tyson Berry, uh, Darnell Nurse will jump in every once in a while. But they just seem to know where they are on the ice. And they, they can move it around so so effortless, effortlessly. And, yeah, it's, it's been a real pleasure to watch. And if you are the Winnipeg Jets, like you say, hey, stay out of the box because they can be uh, – they. They can wreck games. They can uh, wreck your game plan. And it's, it looks like at times it's been for easy – or with ease for them. Connor McDavid. He's a god this year. There's no question about that. I was surprised by this, actually. I was thinking maybe five or six, but there's actually been 11 games where he hasn't scored a point. Has there been anything at all in those games when Connor McDavid fails to get on the score sheet? Is there any kind of just minute little bit of a formula that opposing teams have used to somewhat slow down 97 this year? Oh, geez. Um... I, I mean, you, you hope you catch him on an off night. I think that's that's probably a good one, and, and that can work. The Montreal Canadiens did a really good job, and uh, even Neil Pionk, going back to a game earlier this year, like Edmonton kind of had their eyes opening, like, holy cow, this Neil Pionk kid, he, he's pretty good. I mean, he's shutting down Connor McDavid. I think your best bet is to play physical on him. That's what the Montreal Canadiens did, and, you know, a byproduct of that is you'll probably slow down Leon Dreisel in the same way uh, – Shea Weber, I mean, the, as my co-host on the Jason Greger show said, uh, Jason Strudwick, former NHLer, said, you know, he could have been arrested for what he did out there. To those, <laughs> he was playing so physical, you know, unlimited cross checks to them in front of the net, like. And I think that's your best bet: make him uncomfortable. You can't give him too much space. Uh, I thought earlier on in his career, uh, I think that was kind of the way to try to defend him. On you know, when he'd be coming in on the rush, he didn't quite have that shot yet. So if you gave him, you know, maybe five feet. Don't get beat to the outside and let him get past you. Uh, he, he wasn't typically going to rely on that shot. Uh, the last couple of years, he's done a really good job of improving that. Uh, this year on the rush from the circles, he'll, he'll take that shot, and he's had some success that way. But, uh, you know, I think for sure, staying physical with him, yeah, don't give him space. That's your best bet. Try not to get burned. And, you know, there is that side effect. There is that risk when you try and do that, that you could end up on the highlight reel because he walks right past you. It's, it's a risky situation, but, yeah. 
hope he hope he's uh, having a rough night and, and try to just make him uncomfortable. <laughs> it really is crazy to think that if the Winnipeg Jets hold Connor McDavid to nine or ten points in this series, they did their job, right? <laughs> like any other time, that would basically equal a team's demise in one round. But that would be, hey, we defended him pretty good. Can you name maybe one or two other forwards outside of McDavid and Dreisaitl that Winnipeg Jets fans should keep an eye on? Well, I mean, I, I think the third guy you always got to watch out for is Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and he's been a little bit snake bit this year, five on five, but the opportunities are there, and uh, he, he just can't seem to find the back of the net, but uh, some of the offensive instincts that he has, I think that's somebody you always have to watch out for. I know you said name one, but I'll give you a couple more. Also, Jesse Pugliarvi, um, the man-child, I mean, there was a point of a year ago at this time, we thought he might be done with the Oilers organization, but uh, Ken Holland kind of stuck to his guns, didn't trade him. The offers never really came in, and it's worked out well. He's kind of found a home on right wing playing with Connor McDavid, and they, they've they worked out very well together, and that wasn't the case a couple of years ago. I thought Jesse Pugliarvi at times looked lost on the ice, uh, went back, uh, played in Europe, and, and definitely matured as a person, but matured as a hockey player, uh, improved the, the grasp on the English language, and you can see it on the ice. And uh, Kyler Yamamoto is another one as well. He's struggled to find the back of the net. Uh, speaking with uh, some people here in Edmonton, I know he scored a goal in practice today over Mikko Koskinen, of course. And uh, the players kind of gave him a round of applause. And uh, obviously, they're they're pretty loose going into this one. But there's a few guys in the top six that I think you do have to be wary of. Uh, but for sure, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, he's got the history. Just this year, five on five, hasn't been able to do it. He's a guy I look at that could potentially break out here. What scares you most about the Jets? <sighs> the four lines that they can roll. I think if you look at the Jets... Uh, top three lines for sure if they're healthy and I, i've got some questions for you i gotta get to later on here but when they're healthy i think you can roll those lines and i think they might be the top group in the nhl they're just deep uh shifley wheeler uh kyle connor is another guy i absolutely love that guy drafting shout out to drafting one of our sponsors <laughs> one of my favorites is kyle connor to go for uh pierre luke dubois if he's healthy i mean maybe that's a guy who gets hot in the postseason as well that's who i look at and i think i'm going to speak for all oilers fans here there's that concern that Connor Hellebuck can steal a few games. Like we, I don't have to tell you how good he is. Obviously a Vesna winner a couple or last year. I think there's still that fear that maybe he comes out there and steals a couple games and, and who knows what happens. What's crazy about that is Mike Smith kind of went toe to toe with Hellebuck this year. I don't want to say I played him, but especially when you take into account the, the chances of the shots Winnipeg gives up. But what the hell happened with Mike Smith? I, I was one of those that was at a loss for words why they brought him back. But he's been outside of McDavid. I mean, the, the Edmonton is the most valuable player this year. 100%. Yeah, you absolutely nailed it, Brandon. And and I my phone blew up when they signed him to that one-year extension. My friends are like, why are you paying him so much? Why are they doing this? And he he's made Ken Holland look very good and Dave Tippett, who's always had faith in him. Uh, there's kind of a, a joke here in Edmonton, uh, tummy time for 60 for Mike Smith. He does a lot of, or in the past, have been laying down on his stomach quite a bit, finding himself out of position. And that seems to be something that he's cleaned up. And uh, yeah, he's been a, he's been a huge uh, factor for the Edmonton Oilers this year. Um, you know, we'll wait and see what happened because he played good last year as well. And then we got to the playoffs against the Blackhawks and it didn't go so well. I mean, I think he coughed one up in the first game, which kind of set the tempo there. Uh, and this year, he's he's almost eliminated that as well. He's always been known for his puck handling, but this year there hasn't been those mistakes that we've seen in the past. So you're you're 100% right. When you take away McDavid and Dreisaitl, the next best player on this team has been Mike Smith, and he's absolutely crucial to their success, even more so when you factor in that Miko Koskinen has been 
terrible the last couple starts he's had. Uh, the the four goals on four shots, that was really embarrassing for him. And we thought, you know, maybe against Vancouver, Montreal, he'd bounce back and be a little more solid. And that wasn't the case. So, yeah, Mike Smith's importance is is out of this world for the Oilers. All right, Connor, before we let you go, just a couple quick ones. I guess most importantly, the big one. What's your prediction for Jets-Oilers round one? I'm trying not to be a total homer here. Born in Edmonton, uh, you know, raised here, lived here my whole life. Uh, the way things went during the regular season, I just think it's going to be a really tough task for the Jets to slow down Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. They're both playing their best hockey of their lives, playing, uh, you know, just so well. Um, you know, defensively for the Edmonton Oilers, I, I do worry a little bit about the third pairing. Caleb Jones uh, might get in there. It could be Slater Cuckoo, who, you know, played one game in the last three months. I think I'm going to go with the Oilers getting past the Jets in six games. I think the Jets will take a couple. I think Connor Hellebuck probably has a couple games where he slows the Oilers down. But I just think that the, the Oilers' top-end firepower is just too much for the Jets' defense. That's my prediction. Oilers in six. How about you? Well, I'll get to mine in, in a little bit here. I, I got I to keep the fans waiting and listening a little bit longer. Before we let you go, you know, normally I ask this of the uh, restaurateurs and uh, people in the food business here in Winnipeg, but I'll throw it your way. What would be your ideal game day meal? Curtains are shut. Nobody's watching. It's just you and the food. What would you be chowing down to for Jets Oilers? Yeah, we're not counting carbs on a playoff game. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know what? Uh, got to give some love to. We've got a, an establishment in town called First Round. Um, they're they're very gracious with me. I get to do some hosting during NFL season. Uh, so some of their wings would probably be a good way, place to start. And then I, I think I got to go pizza. I think uh, pizza on a game day. I'm not too picky when it comes to that. Wherever wherever you want to, you know, hook me up with pizza. I'm pretty satisfied. So pizza and wings, uh, maybe a couple beers as well. I think that's a pretty good way to watch a hockey game. Yeah, you know, you and me would get along just fine. That, that's base, That's basically my go-to, too. So we'll give a shout-out to first round, at least, out there in Edmonton. But, hey, all the best, my man. Enjoy the pizza and wings in Game 1. Enjoy the entirety of the Jets-Oilers series. I'll be joining you in that, and maybe we can have a couple of pints sometime down the road as well. Yeah, Brandon, that sounds great. appreciate you uh, having me on tonight. And, again, a big, big thanks to Connor Halley for joining me today and giving you guys a, a bit of a taste of what to expect on the Edmonton side of things, but let's not waste any time here. Let's dive into the heart and the meat of the matter and how the Winnipeg Jets could possibly pull off the upset going up against the Edmonton Oilers. So I've got five things to take a look at, five bullet points here. In my opinion, some of the biggest storylines and things that may tip the tide when it comes to Jets-Oilers here. And I'll tell you what I won't talk about here. I, I promise I will not mention that goaltending will play a big part in this series. You know what? Just listening to, and I'm not going to name names when it comes to networks or specific um, personalities on TV and radio, but every single series, it sounds like goaltending might just play a big factor in this one. So I'm not going to waste your time and say Connor Hellebuck needs to be on his game if the Jets want to win, or if Mike Smith isn't good, maybe Winnipeg will win. Yeah. No shit, that, that's generally how hockey works. So I'm not going to get into that. But the one thing, you know, I guess that a lot of people will point to first when looking at this matchup is what the season series was. And look, it's no secret that the Winnipeg Jets struggled, right? Two and seven in nine games against Edmonton this season. So 
when you look at that specifically in the head-to-head, clearly Edmonton has the upper hand and they have the upper hand with more points in the standings as well. But I really do think this series is going to be a lot closer than those nine games necessarily suggest. I don't think that paints the picture of what to expect in Jets-Oilers round one. And, And it's funny too, because if you look at it, how each team performed outside of those nine games this season, facing the same competition in the North Division, they basically were mirror images of each other. Now, they may have won about it in in slightly different ways, but as far as record, goals for and against, everything like that, the Jets and Oilers were very similar in the other 47 games of the regular season, which I found to be very, very interesting. And a lot of, you know, websites and analytical models, too, paint this as, you know what? Don't go looking at the the regular season matchups and the point totals when you try to predict this series. I really think it's going to be a coin flip. I'll get into why right now in just a second, but I just think this series is kind of destined to go the distance. And and hey, maybe just maybe we'll see here in Winnipeg a little bit of revenge for the uh, the 80s and the 90s and the Smythe division matchups that never seem to go Winnipeg's way. Now, the matchup I'm most interested in going into Game 1 actually doesn't have to do with a McDavid or a Dreisaitl or a Shifley or even a Morrissey for that matter. I just don't think this is getting much play at all. And to me, it's what stood out as the biggest difference between the two teams during the regular season matchup. And that was Dave Tippett did a hell of a job against Paul Maurice, I thought, in setting Edmonton up for success against Winnipeg. And I'm very curious what Paul Maurice's answer is going to be having about, what is it, six, seven days off between games, between the regular season and and the start of the postseason. Having a, a pretty solid chunk of time, too, from when Winnipeg knew they were playing Edmonton to when puck drops during game one in Alberta on Wednesday night. I, I just, I would love to see what Paul Maurice has in store in terms of answers to how to solve the riddle that was the Edmonton Oilers this season for Winnipeg. You know, one of the biggest things that stood out to me in the matchups was that in the neutral zone, and to me, this is just 100% coaching, Edmonton just ate Winnipeg up coming out of their own end and basically playing a bit of possum and getting the Jets defenseman to pinch up in the neutral zone A quick chip or a pass right up off of that. And you would see odd man rushes galore for Edmonton. Game after game after game. Winnipeg never changed that. The Jets did not change once against the Oilers this season. In terms of, I don't want to say not being aggressive. But maybe just holding back a little bit. And and making sure it's a a 3-on-3 you're defending. Not a 3-on-2 or a 2-on-1. I just never saw the Jets change anything. And Edmonton just kept going after it time and time and time again. That's one of the things I'm looking forward to seeing if Paul Maurice makes some alterations with how his team defends, specifically in the neutral zone. Do the Jets change how they defend defensively? Most importantly, out of everything. I'm very curious, especially going up against Connor McDavid. Do we see Winnipeg maybe take a page out of the you know, Columbus Rangers Tortorella playbook and just, hey, let's, we're stacking the crease, we're stacking home plate, and if you can get a puck through five, six, seven bodies, that's great. 
but we're not giving up any easy chances when Connor McDavid is out there on the ice. I, I wonder how Paul Maurice em- employs his team to play when they're inside their own zone. And we know Dave Tippett does a really, really good job of that with his bottom six, right? That That's something Edmonton, they don't really try to win the goal battle when the bottom six is out there on the ice. It's just, let's make sure we don't give up anything because we know that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, basically nine times out of ten, are going to outscore the opposition on that night. I wonder if Paul Maurice takes a little bit of that in trying to defend some of the most dangerous offensive talent on the planet right now. So the coaching matchup is going to be really, really intriguing, at least early on, to see what kind of answers Paul Maurice has to what Edmonton did through nine games in the regular season. The other part of the coaching matchup, of course, is going to be what the line matching is going to look like. And I think I know what Paul Maurice is going to do. And to me, it's the best way to go about, I don't want to say shutting down McDavid, but at least slowing down McDavid enough to give Winnipeg enough chances to create mismatches elsewhere on the ice. So let's start up front first. Which forward line, even without last change at Edmonton, which forward line is Paul Maurice going to look to use against Connor McDavid and then against Leon Dreisaitl, and so forth and so forth. To me, there is one absolutely critical element to this. And we're going to get to that in just a second here. But first, I'm sorry for the tease. I'm so sorry. But look, it's playoff time in the NHL, and it's just about playoff time in basketball too. And DraftKings has a new way for you guys to make some some free cash. It's really easy. DraftKings is offering two free-to-play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, with a free shot at at least $20,000 in total prizes every single day. So it's super easy. And again, it's free, so it's costing you nothing here. All you have to do is download DraftKings, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. And, And to be honest, you don't even need to know basketball super well. You just have to answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's games. Questions like which team will hit the most threes, which team is going to score first, little things like that. And you might make a ton of money along the way, so I don't know. It seems like a no-brainer to me. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. The number one matchup, the number one must Winnipeg must do up front to have success in this series. That is going to be making sure Adam Lowry, every single shift he's out there on the ice, is up against either Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. I think Winnipeg's best chance at slowing down Connor McDavid is going to be having Adam Lowry's line out there. But I just don't think Paul Maurice is going to have that opportunity. And I don't think you want to play Adam Lowry 25 minutes a night as well, even though he is going to do the best job on the Winnipeg Jets at shutting down Connor McDavid. You still want to give the Shifleys, the Ehlers, and the, and the other you know high-end offensive pieces in Winnipeg a decent amount of ice time as well. But if every time Adam Lowry is out there is up against one of those two premier offensive talents, 
that is no doubt about it going to open up a big time opportunity for maybe Ehlers, Dubois, Stasny, Ehlers, and whoever else up against one of the lines in Edmonton's bottom six. And that is just a major, major opportunity for the Jets to cash in on. If Nikolai Ehlers is playing a decent amount of time up against the Joachim Nygaards of the world, the, the James Neals, the Archibalds, the Jujar Karas, and so forth and so forth, Winnipeg is, I mean, no doubt about it, going to win the territorial battle. But barring some kind of horrendous luck, they're going to win the gold battle on that one, and they're going to do so by a significant margin. And that's solely in part by Adam Lowry going up and, and really eating some heavy minutes in this series. So that, to me, is numero uno in terms of what Paul Maurice needs to do with his line matching up front. So I, I, you can't really say one way or the other, you know, Adam Lowry has to go up against Connor McDavid all the time or up against Leon Dreisaitl all the time. But I do think that when Lowry's out there, it can't be against Edmonton's bottom six. To me, that is just, it's a wasted opportunity. And there's better ways to take advantage of that matchup than having your checking line go up against lesser opposition. So that, to me, is absolutely paramount for Winnipeg to have success in this one. To be honest, I would probably try to shy away from having Shifley's line up against McDavid as well. I mean, he just hasn't had success all season long against Connor McDavid. I know nobody has, but it seemed like that line in particular really, really struggled against 97. So I would be okay with Shifley, if it comes down to it, facing the Leon Dreisaitl trio for the majority of their minutes. I can live with that matchup. And to be fair, Shifley Wheeler Connor actually played really well down the stretch. The last three or four games... We'll see if that continues here in the playoffs. The Jets no doubt needed to. But that was encouraging at least to see those three maybe get back to the level they were a couple of seasons ago. I do wonder how quickly Paul Maurice would pull the plug on that if that line struggles like they have in, in large chunks of time in the past. So that's, I mean, when you talk about the forward matchup, I think that's Winnipeg's best chance of success against the vaunted Edmonton top six at the very least. Now to the blue line. How should the Winnipeg Jets try to match up their defense pairings against McDavid and Dreisaitl? Who is the best to go up against Connor McDavid? I think popular opinion would be that you'd want Morrissey DeMello out there. You know, they're your shutdown pairing. You're paying Josh Morrissey the big bucks. That's the defense duo you want to go up against Connor McDavid. I think that's what most people are thinking and anticipating. I actually disagree with that. I think it's a mistake to put Josh Morrissey and Dylan DeMello out there against Connor McDavid's line. And there's a couple of reasons for that. First, Morrissey has been an absolute turnstile this season when it comes to defending Connor McDavid. Now, I know Tucker Pullman was his defensive partner for the large chunk of those games. But at the same time, it's not like, I just, I don't know. I just don't know if Josh Morrissey's game is, is best suited to go up against just the pure lethal speed of Connor McDavid. I wouldn't mind throwing those two out there against Leon Dreisaitl and, and see how that matchup works early on. But I actually think, even with the struggles of Derek Forbert, I think Winnipeg's best chances for success against 97 would be with Derek Forbert and Neil Pionk out there on the ice. And there's two reasons for that for me. Number one, and most importantly, 
And this is funny because talking with Connor Halley about this, he thought Neil Pionk played Connor McDavid as good as anybody has this season, right? And and so you're talking about somebody in Edmonton that's seen Connor McDavid 56 times this season. You know, I, I kind of agree with that. I thought Neil Pionk did as good of a job as you could ask for in dealing with McDavid's speed and trying to contain him on the rush and still being physical with him as well. I mean, Neil Pionk has had that edge to his game all season long. And that, to me, is the most important part when going up against Connor McDavid is is not to try to run him through the boards or, you know, how can we play him physical and, and step up to him once he gets over the blue line. If you try to do that, he's going to make you look stupid. You're just, you're not going to catch him. You're not going to make contact on him. But can you skate with him? Can you stay in front of Connor McDavid? Can you make life difficult for him on the rush, in the corners? Out there in the middle of the defensive zone. I, I think Neil Pionk is the only one that can consistently do that on the Winnipeg Jets blue line. And that to me is the most important thing. And that's why I would go out of my way to make sure that Neil Pionk spends the majority of his time defending that top line at Edmonton. The other part of it is, look, I know Dylan Forbert, Derek Forbert, sorry, has had his struggles big time in at least the second half of the season. It just, it, it has not been a strong stretch of games for number 24. But I do wonder how much of those struggles have to do with fatigue. Maybe an injury or two, right? Maybe he's a little battered and bruised and needed some time off. I, I do wonder if the, the five, six days off ultimately helps Derek Forbert and, and we see a much more improved player heading into game one. Because remember, Derek Forbert was one of the team's strongest players on the blue line through the first 15 or so games of the season. Like, there is definitely a player in there. I just think Winnipeg needs to get him to get back to that level that he was to start the year. And I do wonder if maybe fatigue played a big part in that. So when you take those two things together, maybe arrested, rejuvenated Derek Fulbert to go along with Neil Pionk, who's been this team's best defenseman all season long. To me, that's the move I would make. I, I don't know if we'll see that. I think I think Paul Maurice is probably going to lean towards Morrissey DeMello as his shutdown duo to go up against 97. And yes, he pulled Yarvey and the Dominic Cahoon as well. But I, I do wonder if Neil Pionk wouldn't give you the best results in that matchup. One last thing to get to before I make my final prediction and pick for this uh, Jets-Oilers matchup. You notice how basically the entire conversation that I've had here, that TSN, that Sportsnet, that any other place talking hockey is going through here is is set it around Connor McDavid, you know, Connor Hellebuck too on Winnipeg's side, but Leon Dreisaitl as well. It really is the McDavid-Dreisaitl show when we're talking about the Jets and the Oilers. But I do wonder if there's a certain player on the Winnipeg Jets that is hearing McDavid this, Dreisaitl that, and who has been under the gun a decent amount of the last season or so too, that he's not hearing all this chatter and thinking, you know what, maybe it's time for me to go out there and prove a little something. And I'm I'm very, very interested to see what the response from Mark Shifley is going to be in this series. I mean, his defensive game has been much maligned for a number of years now. The offense has been there pretty much nonstop. But we haven't really seen peak Mark Shifley since that playoff run to the West Final Back in, what was it, 2018? We haven't seen the best of him since that Nashville series in particular. 
And I just wonder if Mark Shifley is maybe getting sick and tired of hearing everything about the other two stars in the North Division and Matthews and Marner out there in Toronto. And if he's thinking, you know what, what about me, right? Like, I was on pace for 90-plus points this year. I can I can play some pretty good hockey as well. I wonder if Mark Shifley maybe takes his game up a level and what that does to Winnipeg's chances in this series. Because remember, Mark Shifley's last playoff run lasted, what, five minutes? Before Matthew Kachuk ended that in the series against Calgary? This is about as motivated as you can get if you're Mark Shifley here. And I think the Winnipeg Jets are going to see a, a pretty a pretty special performance from him. Is it enough to, to boost this team over the top? Well, let's get to that right here. But I, I do think Mark Shifley is going to have himself a hell of a matchup to try and, you know, at least somewhat keep pace with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in this one. So let's get to it here. We've broken it down enough. Are the Winnipeg Jets going to head to round two? Are they going to win a playoff series? They've only had one year where they've won a playoff round since coming back to Winnipeg. So can the Jets find a way to change that? Let's get into the prediction here. Here's what I'm going to say first and foremost, and I touched on it pretty much at the start of the episode. I do think this is a much closer matchup than everyone is giving Winnipeg credit for. I think these two teams, now they're evenly matched, and I'm not saying that, you know, Shifley, Connor Wheeler will go up against McDavid and go toe-to-toe. But I just think they're evenly matched because... Edmonton has an advantage in the top six. Winnipeg has a major, major advantage in the bottom six. As good as Mike Smith has been this season, Connor Hellebuck clearly still gives the Jets a big-time edge inside the crease. But I think Dave Tibbet has done some better work than Paul Maurice this season. So you give maybe the bench boss in Edmonton a bit of an advantage there. And then the blue line, yeah, you might lean towards Edmonton a little bit in this one as well. So my first prediction inside of a prediction... Prediction, if you will, I think this one's going the distance. I do think this series is going seven games. I think we're going to get some tremendous hockey out of this as well. The reason I'm picking it to go seven is that I really like what I've been hearing out of the Jets' room over the past couple of days. It sounds like they know they need to be motivated and committed to playing some really, really solid defensive hockey. And I'm talking the forwards specifically here. I think we're going to see a very concerted back-check approach by the Winnipeg Jets forwards. And they're going to limit the time and space that Edmonton has to work with off the rush, where they maybe killed the Jets the most during the regular season matchup. I think the Jets are going to do a good part in mitigating that. But earmuffs, Jets fans, I don't think it's going to be enough. I do have Edmonton winning this series in seven. And as close as I think it's going to be, for me right now, the main thing that's tipping this ever so slightly in Edmonton's favor, I don't think the Jets are all that healthy. I think that's the big thing here. You know, I is Nick Ehlers going to play in game one? Is Pierre-Luc Dubois going to play in game one? That I don't know. My gut kind of tells me that we won't see either of them. But even if we do say Ehlers, for example, we, we see him start and play the entire series. How close is he to the Nick Ehlers that we saw during the regular season? When and if Dubois comes back, is he going to be half the player that he was? And we know he wasn't anywhere near the guy he was in Columbus for their past couple of playoff runs. Stasny is banged up. I mean, Andrew Kopp, is, he says he's good to go, but he's clearly banged up as well. That's a lot of injuries up front for the Jets to try and navigate through 
when they need all of those guys to be 100% and ready to go to take advantage of Edmonton's bottom six and some juicy matchups there. So that, for me, is the slight tilting point into giving Edmonton the series win here. Plus, I mean, Connor McDavid's been on a mission all season long. I don't think he kills the Jets to the degree that we saw during the regular season, but it's honestly not going to surprise me if we see 13, 14 points in this matchup for Connor McDavid, despite the best intentions for the Jets defensively in this one. So that's where I see it going. I'm sorry. I, I wish I wish I had better news, but I just I got to be honest. And I know a lot of Jets fans are still hopeful in this series, and they should be. It's not that they can't win this one, but I think that if I'm being totally honest, throwing the bias away, I do like the Edmonton Oilers to advance and move on to ultimately face the Toronto Maple Leafs. But hey, if you're a little ticked off that Edmonton ultimately beats the Jets, I do have the Leafs moving on and getting to the Final Four where they will ultimately lose to the Colorado Avalanche. I got to go with my brother Tyson on this one. That's how I see the playoffs played out here. I do think the Avalanche, I mean, they're clearly the class of the NHL President's Trophy winners. I just don't think anybody is all that close to what they've thrown out there so far this season. And I do think we see the Avalanche claim the Stanley Cup. Kale McCarr, Conn Smith Trophy winner. How about that one too? Either way, though, we'll get a chance to see what the games are like for real starting on Wednesday night. And we'll be sure to break that one down for you in our next episode coming up on Friday. All the juicy storylines, all the big plays, no doubt about it, we'll get into it. Plus a food interview to close out the week as well. You guys don't want to miss that one. So again, my name is Brandon Rewicki. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Enjoy the playoffs, everyone. Enjoy the Jets run as long as it goes. And again, we'll talk to you guys on Friday. Peace.